Well, good morning. Glad to have you here with us on New Year's Eve Eve, our last Sunday in 2018. Man, who felt like 2018 just flew by? I had a few people in first service tell me that's what happens when you get married. So <laughs> now I know. Oh, gosh. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, when I think about New Year's, um, New Year's Eve, I always um, get a little bit nostalgic. I think back to our old family traditions. Um, my family was kind of a loner family. We didn't sort of have many friends, um, which wasn't for lack of trying, but we just kind of did things um, by ourselves. So on Christmas, not Christmas Eve, um, it was either in between Christmas and New Year's or right on New Year's Eve. Um, we would go to Fred Meyer and get a couple DVDs, uh, a few movies that we either really liked or hadn't seen yet, and we'd um, get a bunch of cheese and sausage and, and crackers and come home and make this magnificent cheese plate, and then we would feast on it until the wee hours of the morning and then go and bang in pots and pans in the new year. Um, it was a blast. It was one of my favorite holiday um, traditions, and whenever I'd sit and enjoy these lovely cheesy delights, I would think about the new year. I think about what's coming next. What is my life going to look like um, in the next year? Uh, what's, you know, what's my batting average going to be? What are my grades going to look like? All of these things were what a young Trevor focused on. And a lot of us do this. A lot of us focus on these resolutions, or we pick a word and to, to define our new year. Maybe for you it's family, where you want to spend some more time um, with your family and less time running around, give your kids and your grandkids more um, meaningful experiences and less possessions. Maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe it's your money. A lot of us focus on money. Maybe money is your word to define the new year, where you, you want to budget a little bit better and, and save more, spend less, that sort of thing. Maybe for you, it's health. You looked back on the previous year, and, and you saw that you didn't take as good a care of yourself as you probably should have, and you know, maybe, maybe I'll go to the gym next year. Maybe I'll start going for walks every day or add more green leafy vegetables into my diet. Maybe it's travel. You, you haven't seen that one family, family member for, for a long time or there's a place that you have never been before. You want to go check it out. All of these are things that many of us think about in the new year. For myself, I looked at what I want for 2019 and Empathy was something that came to mind. I'm a person that generally bases his actions off of what I think. I'm, I'm not a terribly feeling person. Um, and in order to be a better husband, better friend, better pastor, I want to be able to step into the shoes, really step into the shoes of the people that I'm around in order to understand where they're coming from when they're hurting or otherwise. But in studying for this sermon, I really thought about what was one big umbrella word that all of us together could pursue to define our new year. And that word was maturity. Now, I don't say this to make you all feel bad and say that you're all terribly immature people because I do believe the opposite. But all of us are going through different periods of maturity, different times of maturity throughout our whole lives. Maybe for you, it's you've been following Jesus for a long time and, and maybe there's one or two areas that you just need to tweak a little bit in order to look more like Jesus. Maybe you've been following him for a little bit, but, but not as long as some of the others in our congregation, and 
you got most of the bases covered, but there's a few few areas, few bigger areas that you want to work on. Or maybe you just started following Jesus, or you, you're new to the whole thing, you're trying to figure out who Jesus is and, and what it means to be part of a church and what it means to serve others in that way. All of us are going through these times of spiritual maturing. And in thinking about this and in thinking about New Year's, it got me thinking about cheese again, because... <laughs> Honestly, I love cheese. I had grown up, my dad called me a rat because I ate so much cheese. But if you really think about it, people are a lot like different types of cheeses. Follow me here. It's not weird. <laughs> Many of us are made up of, of similar components. We're all made in the image of God. We all have, most of us have hair, um, <laughs> skin, you know, this, these sorts of things. But all of us react differently to times of maturing. Maybe you've gone through a time of, of spiritual maturing, and you came out of it on the other side like a nice cheddar. You, you, you're sharper than ever. You're doing okay. You, you know where you're going from here. Maybe you went through it, and you came out a little bit more mild, like a Swiss cheese, and there's, a little, there's some holes there, but you're, you're doing okay. Maybe you're like a smoked Gouda. This is my favorite, all-time favorite cheese. I would sit and eat just like a small wheel of smoked Gouda every day if I could, but I can't. But if you're a smoked Gouda, maybe, maybe things in your spiritual maturing, you got you know, a little bit too close to the fire, if you know what I'm saying. But you made it out, and you're doing okay. All of us have these times where we react similarly. Um, and we get through these times of maturing, and we just kind of you know, wash our hands of it. We're like, all right, I, I did it. I'm okay. I'm done now. And that's kind of backwards. If we look at the Bible, everywhere we, we look in Scripture, there's always this motif of growth, of maturing. I was reading the Gospel of John in my um, personal devotion time recently, and a couple days ago I was sitting at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee and some toast, and I turned to my wife and I said, hey, I'm going to read John 21 today. And she says, well, let's both read it. Go ahead and read it out loud. So I read it, and I got to the very last verse, and... I love what he says at the end of it. John, I'm paraphrasing here, of course. He says, Jesus did so much more than what I wrote down here. But if I wrote it down, there'd be a ton of other books that would say um, that we'd have to read about what, he d what he's done. And I turned to her and I said, do you think that means that there's other ways that we can learn about God outside of Scripture? And her answer, of course, was yes, although that should be our first thought. We're never done growing with Jesus this side of heaven. So we shouldn't stop trying. James 1 tells us that um, if we stick with God, if we're steadfast, um, he's going to present us as complete and perfect when he returns. Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's our goal. It's perfection to be like Jesus. And we know that it's only through him that we're even able to come to this right standing with God where we're considered perfect in the eyes of our creator. It's only through his going to the cross and sacrificing for us and getting rid of this debt of sin that we have that this happens. But he still asks for an effort on our behalf. He calls us, um, he calls his disciples in, in the gospels, he says, pick up your nets and follow me. Drop the thing that was important to you and and follow what I'm telling you to do. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll give you something important to do. Later on, he tells him in the Gospel of Luke, he says, pick up your cross and follow me daily. 
rich young ruler is told, sell all of your possessions and give to the poor. These are all these things that Jesus tells us to drop the most important thing and to make him the priority, him the most important. And that's not to say that those things that we had formerly found the most important aren't important anymore. It just means that Jesus is better. Jesus is our focus. We have our example in scripture. So my first challenge to you, um, number one, is to look in your scripture, look in your Bible, see the examples um, that Jesus has set for us in there, that God has allowed us in there. Look to scripture and see the examples of the growth of God's people. Solomon was one. He was a great leader of Israel. He was a good king. Um, he was a good follower of God. Yet even as he got into his, um, as he got older and, and more powerful of a king, he still prayed to God and said, give me wisdom. I want your wisdom. I, don't, I, I know a lot of stuff. I want your wisdom. And went from there. An example of a continued growth from God's people. Paul, one of the fiercest um, opponents to the gospel of Jesus, then meets him on the road to Emmaus and just does this complete 180 and is, becomes one of the fiercest, um, fiercest proponents. He, he, he makes the church so huge in, in the old world and everything and, and teaches a lot of people and writes a lot of books. He says in, I believe it's Ephesians, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer, it's, it's not me anymore. It's Christ in me. We have Lydia in the book of Acts who, after hearing the word of God, like, believes and says, okay, I'm bringing my entire family. This is our journey. This is what we're doing. It's a, it's a growth that we see all throughout scripture. Look in the Bible and follow the example of the growth of God's people. But I think a lot of us, as I formerly said, we get to the end of our individual maturing, and we, we just kind of decide that we're done. And that's not entirely well either, because some things— Let's, let's go back to the cheese for a second. <laughs> if you take a nice Swiss cheese, it goes to the next level when you add it to a nice, robust rye bread and some sauerkraut. Like, that's some next-level stuff. If you add things to the, to, the, uh, to the mix, it helps you grow in other ways. It, if you add a sharp cheddar to a, a piece of sausage in a Ritz cracker, I could eat that all day long. That, that changes the flavor profile and matures the cheese in even a different way. If you put a smoked gouda with a nice apple slice or a multi-grain bread, for instance, I told Jim, he told me earlier, he's like, this is the first sermon I've ever heard that's made me hungry. <laughs> but all of these add things to the mix to help continue growing um, and changing the, the matured product. If we're talking cheese, it changes the cheese. I don't know if you guys have seen the kids' movie Ratatouille. Um, there's that one scene where Remy the rat, he's got a little piece of berry and a little piece of cheese and he's sharing it with his brother, right? And he's like, okay, try the cheese. And his brother tries the cheese and he's like, oh, this is so yummy. And he's like, all right, now here, take this little bit of berry. And he tries the berry and he's like, right, now try it together. And he takes both of it and it's like this euphoric moment where everything changes and he's like, I've never tasted anything this amazing before. What? That's what it's like when we add things to the mix of our spiritual maturity. I was a person that um, had a lot of growing to do when I went into college. I got told by my friends at the end of my time there, um, they said, I've never seen anybody grow in a maturing period as much as you had um, during your time at college. And that's not a testament to say how awesome I am, but to tell you how much God works through me. 
I grew immensely in college, and it was a ton of fun, but there were still areas of my life that I didn't know that I needed to mature in till now, till I got married, and I realized that I was a selfish person and that I needed to grow in patience. When we add things to the mix, when we add outside perspectives, that's when we grow. Somewhere along the way, we got to have accountability. Because without a lack of accountability, we kind of backtrack a little bit. I mean, if we can look at Solomon again, somewhere along the way, I'm, I'm guessing like the ones that got close to like 100 wives out of 500, like someone just didn't want to hold him accountable anymore. Um, but in this, I think it's important for us to remember, and this is challenge number two, is to be candid, question the people in your life that you trust, to tell you the areas that you need to grow in. I was a sophomore in college, and I, I thought I was big man on campus because I had asked out a girl that was a senior, and she said yes. So I was a 19-year-old. I'd asked out a 23-year-old. I was like, all right, let's go. I'm, I'm going to go on this date. And we went on the date, and it was awful. And <laughs> I, I, I tried to brush it off and be like, it's whatever. Like, we're totally going to go on more dates. Yeah, whatever. And I met with her a couple days later, and she said, I, I can't date you anymore. You are so immature. Wow. I was like, okay, thanks, buddy. It was so awkward, and I hated it, but I, I took it as a, as a growing moment, and I went back to my best friend, Matthew, and I said, Matthew, she said I'm immature. Don't know where she might have gotten that, but what are some areas that I need to grow in? And he listed... Uh, I think three or four areas, and I worked on those things, and I grew from that experience. These are things that we can do to help ourselves understand and learn from an outside perspective how we can grow spiritually. So question those in your life that you trust and tell them, have them speak truth into your life about the areas that you need maturing. Last challenge I have for you guys is to consider the people in your life that you wouldn't normally listen to. You could probably think of like one or two people in your mind right now. Consider the people that you wouldn't normally listen to and ask their perspective. Because there's always areas that we're going to need to grow in. There's always new perspectives and new people that we can learn from. So ask the people that you wouldn't normally think about asking. Maybe for you it's a younger church member. Like Maybe it's a millennial. Maybe it's one of our high school students. I frequently am amazed by our students' when they get it even more than I do because I'm an adult and I complicate things. I'm the one that's technically, like I'm the one that speaks into their life uh, frequently, but they more often than not show me who Jesus is on a grand scale and it's awesome. Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your grandkids. Find somebody that you wouldn't normally listen to and ask them their perspective on Jesus and about life and just listen. Um, Something to remember about this, of course, is that when adding these components to your spiritual walk, you have to ask the question, is it helping me or is it hindering me? My um, grandfather, Grandpa Merv, I called him, um, he's been with the Lord for about 15 years now, close now. He, he would always, when I'd go over to their house, he had the weirdest like concoctions for lunch, and I remember one particular time he had a peanut butter and cheese sandwich. And I couldn't believe that he was having that. Like, I, they, they just didn't go together in my mind. 
And when you're adding these things to the equation, like our sharp cheddar cheese, is it something that's going to gum everything up for you spiritually, like a peanut butter? Or is it going to be something that complements it and helps you move closer to who Jesus is? Second Peter tells us that in preparing for Jesus' return, we should be diligent to find ourselves like whole, without any sort of blemish or spot. We, we want to be, we desire to be perfect. And we know that we can't earn our way to heaven. Please hear me on that. There's no way through any of your actions in trying to be like Jesus that you are ever going to find a way to earn yourself into heaven. It's only through Jesus and his sacrifice that that happens, but he does ask for a devotion. He asks for us to honor that belief that we have by trying our hardest to live a perfect life. I had fully written this sermon, <laughs> and I would practiced it a few times, and we were on, I was explaining it a little bit to Edie on the drive to church this morning, and she said, she said this one-liner, and I was like, you can preach a sermon now, this is awesome. She said, we should always, always strive for Christ-like perfection, but settle for being Christ-like. That hit me, and I was like, okay, you, you can take my job now, like, I'm done. <laughs> but that's where we want to be. First Corinthians 9 tells us that we should run, run the race as to obtain the prize, and our prize is an eternity with Jesus, and while we can't, um, we can't earn our way to heaven, we most certainly can live a life as if we're trying to. I can always find ways that I can improve spiritually. I should never be satisfied with what my spiritual life looks like this side of heaven. I should always be looking for ways that I can improve and be more like Jesus and love him better. When I was in college, I was a, uh, an admissions counselor for our, for our school and everything, so I assisted prospective students in coming to check out the school and see what it was about and the, through the admissions process. And we would have college tours, so I'd sit there and I'd listen to the president give his speech and everything, and I had it memorized by the time I was done with that job. But at one point in his speech, he says it the same way every time, and I, it always hit me, no matter how many times I'd heard it. He'd say, if by the time that our student, who's been here for four, four or five years, if we've taught them how to, to read Greek or how to interpret a Bible scripture or how to lead a ministry well, if we've taught them all that and they still don't love Jesus more at the end of being here, we've failed in our mission. I always stepped back and I was like, wow, okay, I need, to, I need to think about that. But if I look at the new year, when I look at the new year, if I don't love Jesus more by the end of 2019 than I do now, I've done something wrong. I've failed. I need to be seeking the people in my life that I trust to, to share with me the areas that I need to grow. I need to be looking to the scripture that God has laid in front of me and all of the lessons that are in here and all of the examples I have of spiritual growth, I need to be looking at the people that I haven't talked to before and asking them their perspective on what it means to follow Jesus and who he is and how they interact with him and how I can learn from their interactions. It is our goal to be perfect as he's perfect. It is our goal to strive for that Christ-like perfection, even though we can't attain it. We want to love Jesus more. We want to love Jesus more. So as as we look to this new year, we want to fall so deeply in love with Jesus that people around us are just looking at us and saying, I see even more of more and more of God and less and less of Trevor, like, at the end of 2019. I, I want to look back and say that I love Jesus more at the end of next year than I do right now. 
So as we look to this new year, full of new beginnings, I pray that our first beginning would be an earnest effort in seeking a spiritual maturity with Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for everything that you do through us, for all of the growth, for all of the beginnings that you call us to that lead us to a a more Christ-like life and lead us closer to your kingdom, God. We love you so much. May we make an earnest effort in seeking you every day of our lives, God. In your name, amen.